Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. You know, when they say that you're the monsters of the midway in Chicago, they're not lying. This defense is good. I mean, like, really good. Like, historically good. Wow. 16-6, the Chicago Bears over the Minnesota Vikings. And the marquee, one of the marquee matchups in week four of the NFL. The Seven Podcast Radio Show, live inside the studios of Demi yet again, myself and Michael Gray from the DMV area. Chicago's going to be real tough. Hmm. Welcome those of you again here inside Studio Z, myself and Michael Gray, the Seven Podcast Radio Show here, Mike, and it's awfully nice to have you here yet again with us. On the broadcast booth, what's going on, my man? Nothing much, man. Beautiful day out here. You know, I had a great day at work. It's, it's been, a, it's been a, especially a great weekend of sports, too. So, you know, it's all, it's, I'm, I'm glad y'all, that y'all want to have me. I'm glad to be here. Definitely there. Mike and I, we've been working a great partnership here for quite a great weekend overall. Obviously, you've had college football week five, NFL week four, and media day has already started. For the NBA, the MLB playoffs start tonight. I know I gave out my little prediction there uh, about the Astros winning, so we'll see how they do um, moving on forward as they start their postseason run to have two titles in three years potentially. So it's it's a lot of action. I kind of call this high time on your side. In, in the sports world because everything's going on. Right. Yeah, so there's so much going on right now, especially in the D.C. area. You know, you got the Mystics. Uh, game two of the NBA, uh, WNBA Finals tonight, and you got the Nationals going against the Brewers uh, tonight. So DC is DC is big time, and then of course we had media day yesterday for the Washington Wizards, and so yeah, you're right. This is a great time for DC sports, and uh, especially for the Nationals and the Misses. They're doing their thing, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some big time success uh, in the playoff runs, both both squads. Definitely there, definitely there. Mike, of course. I, I, um, what do you think you about tonight? You know, you got your Nats, Scherzer's going on, your ace. Um, obviously, you know, they've been really good in a lot of parts of the season since starting 19-31. and 31. But I, I think if they can get past the Brewers, um, they, they, they could be a pretty little test for the Dodgers, you know. so They could be a huge test. I think mentally is a thing because a lot of these players on this team have been around when we've gotten the – top seeds and had the best records and then we fold under pressure when it comes to the playoff situation. So I think mentally it's, it's, it's big for us to get, get over this first, first round. If we can get out of this first round and then get that mental hurdle off our back. You're right. Anything is possible. We can go all the way, all the way to the final, to the, uh, uh to the world series. So I think that we just got to get over that mental hurdle for the first round. Definitely there. Brian Woodruff against Max Scherzer take the mound tonight in Nationals Park. 8-15, first pitch. Mike will definitely be tuned in. I'll be tuned in to that one as well. I've got the Nats tonight as well for that matchup. And, Mike, let's get right into it. Our opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Haifa Hookah Lounge. Haifa Hookah Lounge, the official hookah lounge of the Seven Podcast Radio Show. 
from beers to bucket hats to hookah bongs, you name it, they've got it. Ricky and Zeus and the entire gang located in downtown Sanford has invited everybody in the community to hang out with us on a nice Saturday or Friday evening. Just come out with us and tell them Sebi from the Sebi Podcast Radio sent you. They'll treat you well. And Mike, we want to start off here. We're looking back week five of the college game and Justin Fields. We were talking about Joe Burrow and JT out of Wisconsin, but Justin Fields, what he's done, Mike, 17 touchdowns, zero picks. And going into Nebraska, and what did we see last uh, on, on Saturday night, Mike? We saw that Nebraska is up and coming, but the program of Ohio State, what, you know, guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Coach Urban Meyer, the legacy that they left just continues to carry on to what they have now in Georgia, in, in Ohio State. And that program is just light years ahead of anybody in the Big Ten. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, th- their toughest competition year in and year out has always been Michigan. And, and we see how how that has been over the last few years, you know, that they really had the upper hand in that in that equation. So, you're right. When you're talking about Ohio State, you're right. When, you, I, when I saw them against Nebraska, I was like, it was like watching uh, uh, the big dogs versus the puppies. Like, Nebraska is a, is, a, is a great organization, a great program, and um, they produced a lot of talent. But it's, it's levels to this, and it's a different class. And Ohio State definitely proved that on Saturday night. When you look at Justin Fields and you dissect this game, obviously he's, he's a superb athlete, what you can do outside of the pocket with his legs and the maturity. He's still developing as a thrower under – the stewardship of coach Ryan Day, but this defense was really good, Mike. And you have Joey Bosa, top five pick, his brother Nick Bosa last year, and add Mr. Chase Young, who I've got a huge man crush on. This man, Chase Young, is an elite run stopper, an elite pass rusher, and you're potentially looking at the third Ohio State Buckeye defensive end to be in the top five in this upcoming draft because he'll definitely be a top five prospect. No, he definitely will be. He, he can he can do it all. He can uh, rush rush the passer. He he, he can uh, inside and outside. Uh, he's, he's a special football player. He was a special football player out here in, in high school as well. He grew up out here in the DMV area and watching. We, we used to watch him play in high school a lot. And, you know, he was just a freak of nature. He was just at a – you could tell he was at a different level than everybody else on the field. And I'm, I'm glad to see him transition that to the college game. And hopefully we'll see him do that on Sundays, on Sundays moving forward. But you're absolutely right. Right now, he's looking like one of the top, uh, a, a top prospect that could come out of the draft for next year, and uh, and, and hopefully he finishes out this season strong and with no injuries, so he can make that happen. Definitely, probably the top and first defensive player coming out of the board in next year's draft. When you dissect Mr. Justin Fields' game, what do you see? When I see when I see Justin Fields, I see a, a very athletic. I see somebody who uh, can, who's like he, his game is basically what the NFL is turning into. You know, the NFL is turning into a lot of combo quarterbacks who can run the ball and, and pass the ball as well. He needs to work on his accuracy a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, he has all the tools, and he has – so I, I'm very I'm very happy to see his maturity. Like, he just seems like a very mature young kid, and I, I, love, I, love, seeing, I love seeing him use utilize his legs or break it down or make the right reads and be able to read coverages and things of that nature. So I would like to see him improve a little bit on accuracy, but at the same time, that, that'll come with time. That'll just come with, you know, just him continue to get reps out there on the field. But all, all in all, I love his game, and I want to see him take it to the next level, see how far you can take this Ohio State team. 
Ohio State definitely in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten from one superstar dual threat quarterback to another. We go to Norman, Oklahoma, where Jalen Hurts is taking the nation by storm. I mean, they talk about Jerry Judy potentially being the top wide receiver in this draft, but this guy, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, (laughs) he can really take the top off. He can run any route, intermediate route, to short routes, to the deep routes. And the combination of him with Jalen Hurts looking him as his primary weapon, this guy, CeeDee Lamb, could be battling Jerry Judy out of Alabama for that Bolitnikoff best receiver in the college game. But this Oklahoma team is a machine. And I have said it before, Mike, Lincoln Riley may not be in the collegiate game for long because what he's done with the talent out there and the prospect he's built in Oklahoma is is just astronomical. So Oklahoma, I mean, I, I think if they run the table and beat Texas, they're a sure lock to make the college football playoffs. Absolutely, they do. And I think that's that's their next biggest test is beating Texas because that's that's the rivalry that's the rivalry every year, and um, it has to happen. But you're absolutely right, Jalen Hurts. What I'm saying, what were you saying from him to start off this season? The crazy thing about it is, and I tweeted about this on Saturday while I was watching the game. The crazy thing about it is, Sebi, is that he's still learning and grasping the concept of the offense while putting up these major numbers. That is scary. So we're only in week five, going on week six. So imagine once we get around playoff time or around, uh, you know, later on in the season, how good he could be or how, how, how much more comfortable he could be in this offense. And you're absolutely right. Lincoln Riley, he's done it for year after year after year tremendously. And, you know, he keeps this up, especially if he has three straight Heisman quarterbacks. I definitely see him getting into the league uh, sometime soon, but, what he's doing right now in the collegiate game is 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 special, it's uh, creative, and it's something that it's something that can be used. It's something that it's it's hard to, it's hard to uh, it's hard to duplicate this because you have to have a creative type of mindset in order to put these pieces together. But what I'm seeing from this offense is, is spectacular. C.D. Lamb is no joke. The brother's a speedster, and it's, it, we'll we'll see how far he can go. But you're right, him and Jerry Judy are like neck and neck as far as top receivers in this game. Definitely, for sure. Mike, how would you feel if you're in a Big Ten coach? You look at your schedule, you've got Oklahoma coming. you got one week to pre- prepare for a very complicated and complex Lincoln-Riley offense. You don't know what kind of wrinkles this guy's going to bring at you because he's got – his playbook is the playbook and then his head and then all of the stuff um, that he learned under Bob Stoops, a legend in Oklahoma. I mean, it has to be hard to game plan for this Oklahoma team. And you're right, Jalen Hurts is still learning this offense. And it is crazy how good he can be once he gets everything under his belt. Right now, it's just off of straight instinct yeah. and straight off of, uh, you know, um, just great playmaking ability with his legs and his and, and mobility right now. But once he learns the playbook and can really throw from that pocket, it's a scary sight for any, any opponent in college football. Any opponent, man. It really is, and. You're absolutely right. This 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 Oklahoma team is special because he's Jalen Hurts is bringing that Alabama mentality over to Oklahoma, and you know he's he was never satisfied. You saw it at that first game; he wasn't smiling because even though he had 500 total yards, he he felt like he left a lot of plays out there on the field. And I, he went to the locker room, Mike, and started working out. Oh my goodness, man! It's just like that that mentality and that work ethic from the leadership position as the quarterback can translate to all the other players on the team. They see that they. They might step their game up. They might work that much harder. Like that whole that whole mentality is is infectious and contagious. And you you get that around a team like this with this much talent. 
who knows, they, they, they can run the table and possibly make it into the playoffs, and their defense could actually start to perform a lot better. So you're right, the, the Jalen Hurts effect is real on this team, and the, Lincoln Riley is just having fun with this kid. He's just he's, he's using all of his tools and, and making things happen for him. Definitely there. Um, now we go to now a switch in the polls. Alabama's number one right now, and probably the biggest story this past week was Mr. Devontae Smith, I, I've already said it. Alabama has the best roster as a receiving court in the nation with Smith, Waddle, Jerry, Judy. I mean, the list goes on. He had 11 receptions for 245 and five TDs, breaking Amari Cooper's single-season game record in Alabama. And this guy, out of nowhere, had to make haymakers uh, for them. Meanwhile, Clemson won and edge the dogfight at North Carolina. I think that's what slipped them to two in the latest poll of the AP poll, the Associated Press poll. So when you look at those two teams, I know they're in a collision course to potentially rematch again for the fifth straight year. You look at those two teams, Mike, what have you seen so far through four weeks? When I look at those teams, I've seen a lot of competition. I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of camaraderie. I think I think what we have here is a, it's a situation where we have a lot of physicality, we have a lot of uh, uh, things. But one of the things that I think people need to realize, especially with Alabama, is that yes, they haven't played a lot of teams, a lot of like big the biggest teams. But one of the biggest problems is that is a lot of the a lot of teams don't want to play Alabama. <laughs> like I think I think that got lost with a lot of the you know the kind of conversations and things of that nature because. You know, Alabama's not ducking anybody. They they just have a tough time getting people to put them on the schedule. You know, and, and, and I, I don't, that's why I don't hold uh, the, the the competition that Alabama has against them because it's hard for them to find work. But through four weeks, what I've seen is I've seen them look poised. I've seen Tua look poised. Everybody look precise. And I want to see that. I want to see them when they get to the nitty and gritty of the SEC as far as, you know, uh, going against Auburn, going against, uh, you know, LSU, Teams like that that'll really that'll really put them over the edge for me and really let me know where this team is because right now we've seen them go against marginal talent, marginal competition, and we don't really get the full glimpse of what this Alabama team could look like. But I do say this: I think there there's a lot on this team could bowl to their disadvantage on if they go against you know a, a stiffer competition because of the experience and things of that nature, but. I think uh, later on in the season, as they continue to grow and get better, I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Definitely there. And when you look at the Clemson equation, uh, aside of the ball, the Dabo Sunni's unit hasn't looked good yet. Yeah. They haven't had a game where they've had they've played Clemson football yet. They've been winning, but they, I haven't seen Clemson football. I haven't seen the dominant Trevor Lawrence that we thought we thought we'd see in the preseason. You're, you're absolutely right. When it comes to Clemson, I I, I watched that entire game. I watched that entire Clemson North Carolina game from start to finish, and I honestly, honestly have to say this, Savvy. I don't think they're the number one team in, in college football. I, I, I just don't. I don't see that number one dominating dog mentality. When you have a team like North Carolina, they were they, Clemson. You were favored big in this game, and I take I give I'm not taking anything away from North Carolina. They were a great program. They're they're starting to turn them around with Mac Brown, and you know they were very competitive, and they were gained as, uh, on Saturday. They should have won that game. You know, Dabo Swinney said it after the game. We got out coached and we got out played, but sometimes you look at the draw. Sometimes you win those games you're not supposed to, but they played. It seems like they played down to their competition. Trevor Lawrence 
hasn't looked as sharp as he did the year before. You know, a few, few costly turnovers, more turnovers this year than he had all of last year so far. And, and I, to be honest with you, Sebi, I think Clemson, one of the big, Clemson's biggest problems is their competition, is who they're playing. I feel like if they were nice. used if they were used to playing like, you know, SEC teams or teams with better competition week in and week out, I think we would see a more focused, a more locked-in Clemson team. But because they're playing in their conference in the ACC and they're going against teams like Syracuse, uh, you know, uh, they had Texas A&M earlier in the year. And then you, and then you had uh, North Carolina last week. Uh, is when you're going against those teams, you might they might not mentally be all the way there. Sometimes it's hard to get young guys to be all the way in like you're going against Alabama every week. You know what I mean? So I them to turn it up. That they dodged a bullet losing to North Carolina. I mean, we're beating beating North Carolina on Saturday, and I think they'll 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 make sure that the rest the rest of the season that doesn't happen. Definitely there. You can't struggle against a basketball school. Will Williams isn't <laughs> on that other sideline. Listen <laughs> there. There's no way that was Swimmy and his squad is looking bad right now. Roy Williams, I mean, he might have been in the in the stands, but he wasn't on the sidelines. You cannot get out coach right. by that. That should be a wake-up call for the Clemson Tigers for sure, Mike. Um, we're looking up here into week five as we close this segment here. The game of the week this week, you've got number nine, Auburn, with Gus Malzahn and Bo Nix. They've looked really good, mm-hmm. especially that big win against Oregon and yep. their opener. Now they travel to probably their toughest test thus far. They go to the Swamp against the Gators, who are ranked seventh under Mr. Uh, uh, what's his name? The coach that used to coach for the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs when Dak Prescott was there um, for them, uh, Coach Jackson. So you've got the Gators and you've got Auburn. And Gus Malzahn, he finally got his quarterback. You think of all those years he had Cam Newton, but he's finally got his guy. It's Bo Nix. And he's going to the swamp where the Gators are coming really high, a top 10 defense, an SEC East defense. I I know it's going to be a, a great night to watch that next week. Oh, it sure is. And that's going to be a dogfight because it's a battle of two defenses as well. You know, this Florida defense is special, but this Auburn defense is very underrated as well. And they can make things happen too. So I see both defenses balling out and having a great game. It's all about who's who makes the most plays, who creates the most turnovers, and, you know, who can get to the quarterback most that's going to win the put pull this game out. And this is able to do against this Vaughn defense, but I think that it's, going, it's literally going to be a defensive struggle, and it's going to be a battle of who makes the biggest plays on that, on that side of the ball. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think this has an ch- opportunity to be one of those 9-6, to 12-6, or maybe even, you know, they might score a touchdown or two, maybe – Along the lines of 17 or 13, it will be a defensive right. struggle. These two teams, uh, they really get after you. And, and again, the trenches will be where the game has been won. Um, you've got Gus Malzahn. He loves this Bo Nix guy. And this Bo Nix guy, he's got game. But by far, for a true freshman to go into Gainesville against Florida. And Florida hasn't been the team that back in the Tebow and Urban Meyer days. But they can still stymie teams on defense. And so... Anytime you go into the hostile environment like that, it's going to be tough. So we're going to know, and I think young Bo Nix is going to grow up pretty fast. Yeah, I, th- I think he is. Well, he's growing up pretty fast already just based off the progressions that he's made this year compared to last year. So I, I-, I see him continuing to you know, go on through these battles, continuing to use this as the 
and to continue to get better and you know better prepare yourself for the even tougher task. So I definitely see him getting better. Tigers and what should be an SEC West and SEC East matchup to kick off week five as their headliners. Myself and Michael Gray, we shift gears to a quick segment here, NBA Media Day. All of the brightest stars are out. The preseason starts in a week and a half. The La La Land teams, the Clippers, Lakers, Giannis wants revenge how their team ended last year. And Russell Westbrook. What's up, everybody? We at it again in Orlando. You know, Prada Nan is putting it in. We got Celine Orlando ball, so you know what I mean? We get ready to do a little dirt out here in Orlando. Had to hit that. Come on, man. You know what's going down. We also have Boston Engineer. And don't forget, we got ball and beauty. It's gonna be coming out of where we at, where the park, where we at, and we gonna flood, flood, flood the streets. Ha! Make sure you get your tickets. DM, Instagram, it got to be on Eventbrite, right? Lord Durkin, you heard what I said. Bossa, 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 engineer that. Bossa, engineer that. Ball the beauty, where we at, when the fuck you heard that? Come on now, come out there and celebrate. Make sure you come and participate. Hey, you know where Prada Honor's gonna be out in Orlando, doing the best that I can. I appreciate y'all. Nama, 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 Finals ended in June, and we're back at it again. A lot of new faces and new teams. But Media Day, that's a, what a lot of the fans and the spectators wake up for and get ready for because you can see the NBA season is in the horizon. Absolutely. I, I love seeing the Media Day because I get a chance to not only hear about the upcoming season, but get to know these, get to know some of these players on the personal level. A lot of these, a lot of the players use this opportunity and this platform to, you know, air out anything. You give you an insight on their lives, so I like hearing that as well. Definitely, there. Anything that stood out to you, Russell Westbrook of 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 the Houston, a member of the Houston Rockets now, quote unquote, told reporters that he thinks James Harden himself, who are dating back to their days in high school and their three years in Oklahoma City, can quote unquote be scary for the league, not for them, but for any opponent. What do you make of that, Mike? Oh, I love it. I mean, that's the this is Russell Westbrook we're talking about here. This, if he had any other type of mentality, we would we would look at him like, "Are you kidding me?" Like this is the mentality that he has. Even if he does, he 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 feels that in his heart of hearts that he's back with his home. He's back with his road dog. He has he's back with his sidekick now that he's he has the opportunity of a lifetime with me. And I, their camaraderie was great when they were in OKC. I'm sure it was a solid in high school as well. But this is Russell Westbrook. He, whenever you're on his side, he'll run through a brick wall for you. So I right. I, 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 feel you, and I think it's going to work. I think the combination of Russell Westbrook and James Harden is going to work as well because Russell Westbrook is that is the type of player that he elevates everybody on that franchise. Absolutely. He, he brings the best out of everybody. You're going to get the best out of the first player, on the best player on the team, all the way to the 15th player. So the, I, I love him saying this, and I agree with him. I know what he's going to bring every day. And in tune, I know what the Houston Rockets are going to bring every day. 
definitely. Russell Westbrook, no question. <laughs> One of the game's greatest competitors yeah. from a competitive standpoint. This guy gives every inch 100%. He's, I, I kind of consider him the energizer bunny, Mike. He keeps on going and going and never stops. He keeps drumming that drum Yep. for the Houston Rockets. Now we've got in, in L.A. now where all of a sudden <laughs> the feud in that rivalry has already started. Off the court, at least. PG told reporters that he thinks himself and Kawhi Leonard are the better duo than Braun and AD, the king and the brow uniting in for the purple and gold. And of course you got the Clippers wanting to make their first ever championship in franchise history. So the, the battles has already started, Mike and, and opening night, we get these two teams to match up at the Staples center. It should be a good one. It definitely should be a good one. And that was a media setup for, for all those people that don't know. That was a media setup with that question. asking them. What, what else is Paul George supposed to say? Of course, he's supposed to say that his he feels like him and Kawhi are a better duo than LeBron and AD. I, I would I would have been shocked to hear him say anything else, but uh, because he understands what he brings to the table on both sides of the ball, and he understands what Kawhi brings to, his, uh, to the table on both sides of the ball. Now, in retrospect, do I agree with him? No. The better duo is LeBron and AD because those are two top five players in this game, you know. So, I, but but I understand where Paul George is coming from. He has that confidence in himself, and he knows what Kawhi Leonard is going to bring to the table as well. So he feels like at the end of the day, when they're battling each other and going back and forth, that um, that, that they have a chance with, with their skill set and what they bring to the table to win that matchup. And on any given Sunday, on any, any given day, against any team. So I, I understand and I agree where he's coming from because he, he's supposed to feel that way. He's a Clipper. You know, he plays with the Clippers now. <laughs> Definitely that he's supposed to feel that way for sure for the Clippers. And, and you're right, Mike. I mean, I, I agree with you there. LeBron James and Anthony Davis is two of the top five players in the NBA and planet Earth. Now, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, or Kawhi, I think he's the best in the game, but Paul George, I would rank them outside of the top 10. So you've got one guy outside of the top 10 and then three, two of in the top five. I'm going to go with the team with the two of the top five. So um, it, it's, it's fun. It builds motivation and it builds a storyline heading to Staples. And I think Staples Center is the place to be, Mike. For 81 games this year, you're going to have the Clippers and the Lakers play at that building. And if you're not a spectator, even if you're not a fan of these teams, that's the place to be because Los Angeles will be buzzing, and there's no question about that. There's no question about it at all. And The thing about the money that's being uh, the revenue that's being generated just off of this one season alone with those both teams playing in that arena. I mean, wow, Staples Center is Staples Center is already one of the biggest draws as far as, you know, anything, concerts, anything of that nature to come to that arena. But imagine, but just these two teams alone, now that the Clippers are contenders, legitimate contenders now, oh, man, it's going to be a show because the, these two teams are so entertaining. And then when they go against each other, oh, man, it's going to be it's gonna be even more, more uh, spectacular. A treat for us opening night on TNT. Lakers and Clippers and Staples Center. Giannis Antetokounmpo said his Bucks haven't re- forgotten how their season ended. They got to do what they do. They got to do what they do. They got to have some tweaks in between. But Mike Boonholzer trusts his superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And there's been noise outside of the locker room where 
Giannis Antetokounmpo has told media that he does not want any anywhere where he's in shoot around. And I think that's basically the persona of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He believes in himself and all the noise and the haters out there can just flee amongst themselves. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've gotten that vibe from Giannis as well. He's more of an old school kind of guy where he doesn't really care for the media. He doesn't really care for the outside noise. He just wants to be around his team and, and, and compete against guys. He doesn't want to hang out with guys in the offseason. He wants to continue to get better and get right. And uh, you got to respect somebody like that. I know the old school cats, I know they love him for that. And, you know, Giannis, I know they haven't forgot about last season. But uh, and, I, and I know Giannis is going to continue to improve. And we see him get better every every year with the shot. And I know he's gonna get a shot eventually, but um, we'll 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 see how far he can take this team this year, cause uh, cause they have they have a real chance in the Eastern Conference to make some noise. Definitely, there we go to the Smoothie King Center where already Zion hasn't played not even a minute of NBA basketball. He's already earned himself a banner outside of the Smoothie King Center. JJ Reddick, the newest member of, after their first workout, he said, "I've been thirteen for thirteen in my career, making the playoff experiences." Do not bleeping, you can't put that on air, Mike, <laughs> on air, uh, uh, what he said. Do not mess that up for me. So right. uh, the Pelicans, obviously this is a transitional year. It's a year to see what this young team can have. I think that they have the ability to really get out in transition and make things happen with Lonzo running the show and Ingram in the wing, Hart in the wing, and also Zion, of course. That's what the fans in the Smoothie King Kent Center are ready to see and also J.J. for some threes. So uh, this team can be awfully competitive, and I think that in the latter part of the, the season, they'll definitely be in contention to perhaps make a playoff push. Yeah, they'll be in contention. They'll definitely be on the outer skirts looking in and definitely uh, have, you know, a, a chance to compete to get into the playoffs. I just don't know how far they'll get, how, how, uh, whether they'll be able to make it or not because they're in the tough Western Conference, and it's going to be so dicey, and their youth is, it could possibly be a downfall for them. I mean, yes, they have to go through some growing pains and things of that nature and stuff like that. But I think the biggest draw against them is the fact that they're in the Western Conference. Now, if they were in the Eastern Conference with this team, oh, they'd be in the playoffs for sure. I don't know where they'd be one to eight, but they wanted to be. They'd be one of the eight best teams. But with this tight Western Conference, it's just so hard, man. We got so many different teams out there in the West that 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 can not only win, make it the playoffs, but win the championship. So it's going to be tough for them to make it in the Western uh, Conference. But they have a shot. They have a chance. If they play together and they make things happen, they can, they can be one of those eight teams to get in the playoffs. J.J. Uh, Reddick ain't trying to hear that. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> J.J. Yeah. wants to ensure that his streak continues, uh, making it at least to the playoffs. And he knows he's with a young team. But one thing that stood out to me, Mike, uh, a, a lot of players that have played under Alvin Gentry, uh, much like what Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh is in the NFL, coaches players i've heard that about alvin gentry we don't know if it's his is uh, is he a great leader is, is he a leader of men is he just a great competitor is it that he leads by voice or command but i've heard a lot of players love playing for alvin gentry yeah, anthony davis as well uh, spoke highly about mr gentry um while his tenure out there before he got traded to the los angeles lakers and even that 2015 uh, Warriors team under Steve Kerr. All of the players, including Andre Godala, when he was assistant out there, said that we love Alvin Gentry and they just love playing for them. And I think he can potentially get the best 21 
and you pair that up with a 19-year-old Zion Williamson and a veteran like J.J. Redick, I, I think Alvin Gentry can get the best of his players. Oh, he definitely can. And you, you can tell he's one of those guys, he's a, he's a player's coach. And uh, he's one of those guys that gets very familiar with his players, has a great relationship with all of them. They all leave leave him with good vibes and good energy. And, you know, I think he definitely can get the best out of him because we got to remember the before DeMarcus Cousins got hurt and they were together, uh, the uh, he coached it when, when DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. He coached his team to the playoffs. You know, they were on the outer skirts looking in, but then it got to a point when DeMarcus got hurt. He had to make a move, and this team went into the playoffs. They uh, swept Portland in the first round, and then they lost to the Warriors in the second round. But uh, yeah, this this guy, he's 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 a tremendous basketball coach, and uh, he he knows how to maximize the talent out of his players. And I, I can't wait to see what he can do with this young core because they really have the uh, the chance and they have the opportunity to be a show. And I, and I can't wait to see it. On opening night, we'll get to see Mr. Zion Williamson and Drew Holiday as they lead the Pelicans against the reigning defending champions, Van Vliet, Siakam, and the Toronto Rams their 2019 banners opening night for sure and lastly here mike um i know you're not a nick fan but mr rj <laughs> barrett says that he's ready for dan jones to make haymakers and ready to be the face of new york as rookies they have two things in common they know that the city of new york is in rebuild but they both want to be the men that takes the big apple and refurnishes it definitely yeah i, I like rj barrett's mentality because his game is special, and it's only going to continue to get better. Yeah, yeah, he goes left a lot. He's working on his right, and all that will come will come through play and through just maturing as a as a player and as a person. And uh, I like the mentality of you know trying to come into a situation where yeah, it's not too great. Yeah, it's in a rebuilding stage, but you bring them hope. Like part of the rebuilding stage that that really helps the rebuilding stage grow and mature is growth and 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 and, and players that are willing to accept that challenge. And understand that there will be growing pains. There will be, you know, some adversity to go through. But I'm willing to go through that and continue to uh, be a part of something to to build them up, you know. So I I love that mentality of R.J. Barrett. He's not worrying about it. He's worrying about getting better day after day, after day and letting the chips fall where they may. You know who R.J. Barrett reminds me of? And, and I, I don't want to – I think it's blasphemous right now. People will look at me crazy. But he reminds me of a young James Harden. James Harden okay. walked into the league out of Arizona State, a bucket. And I get that same mindset of R.J. Barrett. He walks into this lead, a bucket getter, averaging 22 a game out of Duke, 17 a game in the NCAA tournament. And uh, obviously, when Zion Williamson went rant, went down, we saw Coach K run the offense through himself and uh, also Cam Reddish. And you see what he can do as just the primary scorer. David Fitzdale, as the coach now, knows that he wants to get this guy going. Guys, when he had the step-back game, the, he had the mid-range game, he had the wicked handles that could just manipulate defenders and then started going right, it made it awfully unguardable. So I think with the maturity of young R.J. Bay, I see the same type of, you know, process as well as James Harden. If R.J. Barrett, who I think right now, his shot isn't broke. He's an elite shooter already. Yeah, uh, I, I think his IQ got to get better and his playmaking got to get better. But as in terms of getting the basket, he's got no problem with that. And and, and once he learns how to get to his right hand, I think I, I think that that same dynamic with James Harden can be said about. You're right. It, it, it can be said. And I, I like the comparison. That's a, that's a great comparison because you're absolutely right. Both lefties, 
Um, but you, I'm glad you brought up the fact that it's a maturation process they have to go in it because, you know, we can't expect these guys to come out in their rookie year and be uh, the complete form player that they want to be. It's going to take time. It's going to take reps. It's going to take them getting used to being playing against the best players in the world in order for their true game to come out and for them to understand how, how great these players really are. You know, so I, it's a process, and I, I just can't wait to see the journey, just see him continue to get better year after year. Because you can tell he wants to work. He wants to get better all the time. So he, he has that part for him going for him. We look back at week four of the NFL and look into week five. We'll be back. podcast radio show myself and michael gray here back inside the studios big news man i, I i'm kind of happy that uh guys like draymond green and lebron james being advocacy for the bill that just passed in california where now starting 2023 young cats ages 17 18 19 will be making a whole lot of moolah the state of california passing a bill where now college athletes can now make Big time money. I know that was a huge thing, Mike. Oh, it was huge, man. It was something that's long overdue, something that other states need to follow suit on. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud people like LeBron and Draymond Green and others that have stood out and, you know, been out very outspoken about with the NCAA and how they're uh, getting over on these players. And they've been doing it for years and years. So I'm, I'm glad to see California and the governor Newsom. He, he, he took took a big time step forward and I hope to see other states follow suit. I know those 17, 18, 19 year old cats out there are going to be upset when they found out that California is the <laughs> California tax bill. It's 13.3%. They're going to find out they, they're they going <laughs> to make a hundred. They're going to try to make six figures. They're going to try to blow it out because they're all young, not saving money to pay taxes. They're going to be awfully mad when they see that. But how, how crazy that is to give cats, young cats in California, big-time money like that, not knowing that you got to pay taxes. And I think they'll grow up pretty fast. Yeah, they grow up pretty fast, and they'll understand that that's part of life. They'll get a head start of, you know, of the reality, of the real world. And, you know, we all got to deal with it. And we all got, it's a process. That, it's, a, it's, a, it's a price that comes with it. And uh, But at the same time, you guys get, get a chance to make money off your likeness and your name, man, which is something you've always should have been able to do. And I'm, I'm glad that we finally have an opportunity for, for the young guys to do so. Wow, Mike, 13.3%. I'm glad to be a Floridian. We got no state taxes here. Hey, kids, get your money. Come down here. <laughs> hey, I heard that. Yeah, nevertheless, we turn our attentions back here to the NFL. Week four of the NFL. Mike, I watched the entirety of the game. In Chicago, the monsters of the Midwest era as advertised. Not having Akeem Hicks and not having Raekwon Smith, they didn't miss a beat. Khalil Mack, if he's not the best defensive player in the game, he's right at the neck with Donald. I mean, this, his impact alone, there were numerous 
plays where I saw he was getting double team and triple team, he was either making the play, he was at either getting one-on-ones for other players to make a play, or he was making a play with the refs. He was getting a holding call. And, uh, Khalil Mack's impact goes beyond just the hash marks and just the line of scrimmage, and it's just unbelievable to watch him. And I think we got to start talking about that, 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 that Chicago Bears defense. They're not the 85 Bears, Mike, but this is historically good what they've done in almost two and a half years. This is the best defense we've seen since the 2015 Broncos. This, this defense is elite. They are special, and I'm glad you brought it up. Roquan, Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks didn't even play. And you're right, they didn't miss a beat. They didn't miss anything. If anything, they look like they, they look just as good, if not better. So I, I agree with you, man. This this defense is special. And Khalil Mack, his impact, he's had a greater impact on the Bears this season than the Aaron Donald has had on the Rams this season so far through four games. So we'll, we'll see if that continues to grow. But right now, you're absolutely right. Khalil Mack and what he's doing with this team. And I and he, it's funny how he gets, he gets a chance to face his former team for the first time this week. So we'll see. We'll see what he does. But. You're absolutely right. This Bears defense is special. It's the best I've seen since the 2015 Broncos. No, oh, I mean it, it, it's it's unbelievable, Mike. I mean to to kind of piggyback on what Aaron or you said about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald had four had three sacks uh, through the first four weeks and then ended the year <laughs> weeks five on 17 and a half and ended the year 22 and a half sacks. Right. So he starts off slow and gets going quick. So right. who knows? But this year, Khalil Mack is by far has been better than Mr. Aaron Donald. But this defense, Mike, it kind of worries me that Chase Daniels is quarterback now and Mitch Trubisky is in play. Now, that might not be a bad thing. I was good. Chase Daniels throws the ball. I was good. But nevertheless, uh, uh, you know, Mitch knows the playbook and Chase Daniels um, as well is a vet and I think he can keep steady. But again, if he's Alex Smith and just a game manager, the elite, the way that the Bears play defense, especially at home, Good luck for any opponent. Good luck for any opponent. And I actually don't mind Chase Daniel being the quarterback. If I, if I had a, if I needed a backup quarterback to fill in for me, it's, it's just Chase, Chase Daniel would be a solid pickup for me because he does some of the similar, most similar things that Trubisky does. You know, manage the game, not really turn turn the ball over too much. So I see Chase Daniel being able to be that game manager, be that Alex Smith type, and just, and just make sure you don't turn the ball over or put your defense in in, in, in short fields. You don't do that. With this team, oh, they can go far. They can make some things happen, and they could possibly win this division based off that. The Chicago Bears, 3-1 and one in the NFC North, tied with the Green Bay Packers for sure. And speaking of the Green Bay Packers, this week, the Philadelphia Eagles, great call, Mike. You said that backs against the wall. The offensive line, who hadn't played up to par, came out in Lambeau Field and really, really dominated line of scrimmage. And the defense with um, Barnett. Oh, the Eagles, Carson Wentz, three touchdowns through the air, and Howard, three touchdowns on the ground. Finally got that running game going for Doug Peterson's off. Lambo. They sure did. They got a, they got a big time win in Lambo. There's a lot of components to this win. The, the, the defense showed up big time in the second half, really made plays and got out to the quarterback. I dropped a couple of interceptions, um, and the first and I was I was happy to see Carson Wentz continue to ball out and do his thing, and he looked he looked like the quarterback that we saw during his MVP season. Jordan Howard, 
I was immensely impressed with, with what I saw from him. Not only just running the football, but being able to catch and make plays out of the backfield, scoring three touchdowns in that game. It, it, it took everything. You know, we saw the heart of a champion in this game. And, you know, those, those two goal line stands for the Eagles in the fourth quarter, they were major. And you, you, you just don't see that from an Aaron Rodgers team very much so. So they got real physical with them. They found a way to win. It was a tough victory against a, against a great quality opponent on the road. But they got it done. They showed the heart of a champion. I was proud of the Eagles. What do you think about this, Mike? The the Green Bay Packers had eight trips. That's two red zone trips inside the one. They elect to throw it four times. This is why I don't get. You know, I I understand Matt LaFleur. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I I just like saying his name, Mike. I I see. (laughs) I always love talking about him uh, in regards to that. But um, when when he had the ball for for eight drives in the one-yard line, right? He doesn't run the ball with Aaron Jones, not one play. You got Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He's, he's mobile, right? Run the read option with him. QB sneaking with him. They don't elect to do that. And, and I think that ultimately cost them the game right there. They could have tied it, sent it over time. But they throw it. I don't understand why more teams like to throw it on fourth down. That is a concept that I will never understand. And I know Pete Carroll is kicking himself for not doing that with Marshawn Lynch a couple of Super Bowls ago. Yeah, he sure is. And I, I, don't, I think Matt LaFleur thought about it too much. I think he realized how lethal his passing game was throughout that entire day. They could, Devontae Adams, I mean, the first half, I believe he had like 180 yards at halftime. And he was doing whatever he <laughs> wanted to do. And then you see, you see just how, how easy Aaron Rodgers was making it look. You know, when you have a quarterback like that in the backfield and he's having a ball game, I guess sometimes you don't want to take the ball out of his hands and try to, you know, do too much. But different. you don't, Mike. You can run the read up. You can QB sneak it. It's Aaron Rodgers. You could. You could possibly do that. And, and, and maybe they, they they thought about it but just didn't like what they saw. But I, I when it comes to – when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, I wouldn't mind putting the ball in his hands four times just to see what he could do. If I, if I can't – if I can't get – just like running the ball. If I can't get in the end zone with Aaron Rodgers at my quarterback from the one-yard line four t- and four tries, it must not have been meant for me to get in the end zone. You know, I think I think that's the mentality that LaFleur had. And I think they'll learn from this. You know, he's still learning. He's still going through some growing pains as well. And I'm sure he'll make, make the necessary adjustments later on if he gets put in that same situation. But you're absolutely right. It, it, it was dicey. But, um, you know, I, I'll take my chances with Aaron Rodgers any day. Much like Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma, Aaron Rodgers is still under a new playbook. All those years under Mike McCarthy, now a very complex under the center running blocking scheme that Matt LaFleur wants to bring to Green Bay. And Rodgers is still learning that. They'll look to bounce back week five in Big D against the Cowboys. Speaking of the boys, they went to New Orleans. Not an easy place to play. I don't care if you have Drew Brees or if you don't. But the Saints defense really stood up. I thought the player of the game was Marshawn Lattimore, who struggled this year, Mike. But I, I, I thought that we saw that Amari Cooper was the guy that he was matching up on. And Dennis Allen Jr. said that sometimes Marshawn, Marshawn uh, Lattimore, he wakes up for the bigger and bigger and better receivers that he has to go up against. Right. And he really showed up. The Cowboys, less fortunate. They had they, they definitely moved the ball. Fumbles hurt him. Jason Witten fumbled. Ezekiel Elliott fumbled on fourth down. That was the play of the game. But I thought the crowd, that noise crowd, we tend to forget how loud the Superdome is. I thought that was a factor. Dak Prescott missed some throws that he normally makes. And the Saints now 2-0, the, the, the breezeless New Orleans Saints. 
Yeah, absolutely right. It was a great football game. I really enjoyed watching that game. And I, I know I used to we was talking all this time about, you know, the Cowboys. The, the, the week one started this week for against New Orleans when I was saying, you know, their first three games were still preseason games. But that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly how I felt about this game. You know, when they finally – this is why I feel like the Cowboys are no different than the team that we saw last year. I see them being another second-round exit type of football team. I didn't see any difference between – the cow from between uh, the Dak Prescott I saw on Sunday compared to the Dak Prescott I saw in years past. There was no difference. Now, obviously, you know, they've shown that the Cowboys have the same formula. You stop Zeke, you contain that run game, and then you force Dak to throw the football. And that's not and that's not going to bode well for the Cowboys. And I've been saying this long and long time. If he wants to be that 30 to $40 million quarterback that he sets out to be, then he has to win games like this yesterday. You got to put up more than just 10 points and beat a team without Drew Brees. Yes, you're on the road. You are on the road. But at the same time, you got to give me more than 10 points if you want to be that 30 to $40 million guy. Now, um, once he does that and makes and wins games like yesterday where he's forced to throw the ball and he doesn't have the running game at his disposal, then I'll say he's taking the next step. But uh, so far, I've, based on what I saw yesterday, I've seen the same old deck. Definitely. Same old deck, Prescott. Definitely there. The Cowboys looking to rebound. And next week, that'll be game of the week with Aaron Rodgers and company coming to town. Two young quarterbacks making their second NFL start. You got Kyle Allen and also Gardner Minshew on both on the road. I had a great call on that. My on the road, I had the Carolina Panthers to beating the Texans on the road. Both quarterbacks played awfully impressive in hostile environments. Not easy to win in Houston and Denver. Denver, for sure. But second half, I thought, you know, Leonard Fournette really had things going because he had well over 200 on the ground, and anytime you can run the football, everything opens up. Because Leonard Fournette is coming at you, you got eight in the box. And really benefited their Garden Minshew, and that defense woke up in the second half. And then on the opposite side, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, leading the league in rushing right now, is really putting that Panthers offense in his back until Mr. Cam Newton gets back. And so both young quarterbacks getting their their two and zero now in their young careers. Yeah, they are, and I, I was so I was proud to see Mitchell win that game. It was special uh, leading that drive down the field, uh, bringing them back after being down seventeen to six at halftime. It was special, man. I really liked what I'm saying for Minshew. And talk uh, about Leonard Fournette, Mike. He was a man possessed running that football. He was. He sure was a man possessed, and and, and for Fournette showed. Uh, he showed the the talent that he has, and what we what we've been talking about for the past years. We just had to see him on the field. Leonard Fournette is one of the best running backs in the game when he's healthy and he's on the field. He just got to stay on the field and stay healthy. And he showed that again. What he showed that on the road against a tough defense in Denver. And you're right, Kyle Allen winning for the uh, Panthers that was major as well. You know, Deshaun Watson he couldn't get out of the pocket. I mean, he was every time I look back, he's getting hit, and you know he barely had time back there, but. You know, it was it was great to see Kyle Allen get that confidence and get these Panthers back, back in mode, and all of a sudden they're in the conversation of uh, the, the possibly taking this division. Yeah, definitely. There, Christian McCaffrey himself, he's been running the football uh, possessed there as well. Can you imagine if Leonard Fournette in LSU had a quarterback like Joe Burrow? How far they go? I, oh. I know he's probably <laughs> oh, man. probably thinking he was <laughs> Mister um, uh, Mister Louisiana. Number one rated running back uh, that year. If he had Joe Burry, as he just needed a quarterback to open things up. Right. But you can only wish there 
for sure for all those teams. Uh, Russell Wilson, they they bounced back huge, had a big win in Arizona. There, they all seem to always have Arizona's number for some reason. And then the great call on that Pittsburgh got their first win of the year. They really stifled Andy Dalton in that offense. Yeah, they did. They had eight sacks last night. Shout out to that defensive line, the entire front seven. The secondary actually played well, played good as well. You know, I think they they they've been rejuvenated ever since the signing of Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, him were back there with the combination of Joe Hayden. You know, they they're really they're really playing well on that secondary end. You know, the Steelers uh the Steelers did, moving forward could definitely use that as momentum because all you need is once you get that first win in the season, that's when you can start getting more comfortable and start playing confident football and continue to take it to the next level. So anticipate better games from the Steelers moving forward. No doubt, definitely there. The Patriots, through four weeks, they are the top defense in the NFL, holding opponents to six points, uh, which is crazy. Lead the NFL in interceptions. They already got 11. Devin McCourty already has four. Well in the conversation for defensive player of the year, he is. But the offense is not playing. This kind of reminds me of the old Patriots in the early 2000s. Mike Vrabel, Rodney Harrison, Richard Seymour. The defense is leading the offense now as Brady starts to age. Yeah, so it is. And I think this is this is per, this is one of those examples where it's so it's going to be so hard to beat the Patriots because not only can they score with you if need be when you know Brady decides to turn it up, but even on days like Sunday when Brady is struggling and this offense is struggling to try to find their way, they show that they have a defense where they can, they can bottle you up as well and they can win a, a low-scoring uh, slugfest just like this. So it's going to be so tough to beat the Patriots because they can play you at any game. They can match you with any style of game that you want to play. And I, I, I see that being tough for all the teams coming – forward that they have to play for the rest of the season being this thing because Brady Brady is not going to look like this for uh, the rest of the season there's going to be he's going to he's going to look better much better that that was just a, a a situation where the Bills personnel is just light years ahead of most teams on defense so I expect Brady to play better and I, I, it's going to be a challenge to beat this Patriots team and Mike this this the Bills team is coming oh, uh, yeah. they're, they're really good oh, defensively yeah. The the scheme that they run, that 3-4, mm-hmm. uh, they're coming, Mike. Sean McDermott, uh, who came from that Clemson uh, staff with, with Dabo Swin, and you saw what he's done with that defense and the legacy that they've left there. Sean McDermott has that Buffalo team. I love how they play. They play old-school football. They want to run the football. They even want their quarterback to run it. That's why he got hurt throughout the game. We're not wanting to slide. They want to run the football, and they want to play excellent defense, and they want to punch you in the mouth. That Bills the team... I was impressed. Although they lost, I thought the inability in the red zone, that's where the Patriots really, really, really hurt you, man. They let you move the ball, let you move the ball, but inside the 20 in that red zone, they make you earn every every yard. And that was hard. But that Bills team, I was awfully impressed. They're going to be good for years to come. They sure are. And I think they have a foundation out there. You know, playing in Buffalo is already tough for any team. And uh, Brady has had plenty of success out there. But then this Sunday, he's pretty showed that that a lot of people are gonna say, well, we got we got to use the the Bills set a blueprint on how to beat Tom Brady and this and this team and slow them down. No, they have the personnel to do so. Exactly. It's like you can't you can't duplicate personnel. Yes, you could try to have the game plan, but if you don't match up player for player and you don't have the the, the players to make it happen, it's not gonna work. So 
I think this is just an anomaly, one of those situations where the Bills had the players and had the personnel to make it happen, and they, they made it happen. And uh, teams aren't going to be able to duplicate this because they just don't have the players. No doubt, no doubt. It's always a great week when Mike's Giants win, right? Also, oh, yeah. Daniel Jones is 2-0. The Giants definitely, definitely dominated the Washington Redskins from the jump. There was no question about that for the Meadowlands. But I thought the game of the day was the Browns, uh, you know, beating the odds. We we all picked Baltimore last week to win that game. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought what Freddie Kitchens wanted to do is simplify the game and go back to his run concepts. That That's the main reason why John Dorsey went out and picked out, uh, you know, 23-year-old Kareem Hunt with all of the off-field issues he had because the – the Browns want to run the football. Yeah. So they, they hand it off to Nick Chubb, who ran for well over 160 yards in three TDs. And Baltimore, for the second straight week, that defense giving up 35-plus. Not Baltimore like That was pretty apparent. But Baker Mayfield played well. Jarvis Landry got loose uh, against that secondary. And a uh, quiet day for Odell Beckham Jr., but it was okay because Nick Chubb ran for 300 and Baker Mayfield threw for 300, excuse me, Nick Chubb ran for three TDs. Apologize uh, there. But the Browns put up 40, and now they're on a tie with the Ravens for first place in the AFC North since the 1960s. Yeah, yeah and, and that's that's the type of team that we're going to get from the Browns all season as they learn how to win and learn how to win on a consistent basis. We're going to continue to get that inconsistent Browns team of, oh, they might lose against teams like, like they have no business losing to, like Tennessee by 30 in week one but they come right back and they beat a Baltimore team where everybody expects them to lose. We're going to get that. I expect to see that inconsistent Browns team all year long as they're continuing to learn and continue to grow and go through adversity and trying to get to the process of being a real Super Bowl contender. So uh, I was impressed by what I saw from the Browns. These are the kind of Browns that we expect to see when once we saw that the lineup and the players that they had coming together. And it was a great win. It was a great win on Sunday. Now the question is, can they be consistent and continue this moving forward? We will see. And they'll get a chance to show it. But all in all, it was a great win on Sunday. Definitely there. It was by far a great win for those cats. What, what I, I want you to think about this, Mike. When we talk about Eli Manning, like prime Eli Manning, you know, 2007 yeah. championship, 2011 Eli Manning, yeah. I always thought that that Giants team was always better on the road than at home. I get that same vibe with the with the Browns. Cleveland rocks. You even got Drew Casey, uh, you know, <laughs> coming out there in the stance and yelling uh, how good this team can really be. And I, I think that they're just better on the road. We saw what they did. Granted, it's the Jets. But we saw what they did in the Meadowlands up there. And then we saw how they did. Not a lot of teams have success in Baltimore. But right. I, I kind of compare that with the – that those Giants team in their prime with that elite defense that they had with the front four and now Eli Manning was opportunistic with guys like, you know, Hicks and Nelson and, and uh, Victor Cruz and Mario Manningham receivers like that because they had all the talent in the world, but they were just better on the road. I remember right. playoff games beating Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau, going to Candlestick, beating Alex Smith and, and Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis in that team. I, I remember times where, he, you know, he beat Tom Brady, of course, in the Super Bowl. That's a neutral site game. So, and Brett Favre one year. So Baker Mayfield and, and, and Eli, they have this same thing, like the chip on their shoulder. We want to beat you when you think that we're not going to win. And, and and I got that same type of mindset. The Browns may be better on the road than at home because the, the already the expectations, the distractions. Yeah. I want you to keep an eye out for that. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think right now, as hyped as this Browns team was this year, I think the best thing for them is to, is to be on the road. And sometimes you, when you get away from those distractions and you get away from all the attention and the noise about what you possibly could be, then you uh, you still not only does that help you on the field, but it helps you off the field. You start to get a feel for your play, your teammates. Y'all start to build more relationships and can become closer. And that bond that you see off the field can translate on the field. So you're absolutely right. I, I definitely see uh, them being road warriors this year, being teams that can go in and shock and shock teams and, and beat them on the road. But um, you're absolutely right. I think right now they do look like a better team on the road than they do at home easily. Definitely their team. Something to really watch out for the Browns as they continue to all of a sudden be a team to force a reckon with in the AFC North. Since Baker Mayfield has been quarterback against the AFC North division, he's 4 2 and 1. Debbie Podcast Radio Show inside the studio is the Debbie and I see our last segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Geico. Geico Gecko. You don't have to be a human. You don't even got to be smart because even though Gecko knows 15% on your car insurance, don't take my word for it. Take the little green thing that talks on your TV screen. That's the Geico Gecko. We'll be back here in 10 seconds. On week five, I've lost track of the records on how how, uh, how we've been doing uh, since week two. It's, hard, it's just kind of hard keeping up with all that. But you had some great picks. You, you had the Eagles on the road. The, the road teams really dominated last week. Oh, and, and you had, you had the, the Jags on the road. You had the Eagles on the road. You had some great calls. Um, I, I picked that Carolina one. I got that one right uh, there as well. So, there was some really nice picks, but we want to continue that momentum and get it going. So week five now in the NFL. And right now, to start off Thursday night, it's a big one. It's a huge for the NFC West. You've got the Rams at 3-1 and one against the Seahawks at 3-1. and one. I think right now they're in a collision course. You've got the 49ers, only the, the only NFC, East, NFC conference team that's undefeated at 3-0. and oh. So... Seattle. This is tough. This is really tough. I'm going to take here the Rams, though. I-, I think they'll bounce back. They gave up 55 to Tampa Bay last week. That cannot happen. I think Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, that defense has pride against themselves. Goff has to play better. It's not an easy place to play in Seattle, but they want to get that running game going. Give me the Rams on the road. Give me the Rams on the road as well. I like, I like them to bounce back I don't see them having the same defensive performance that they had against Tampa Bay. I think they rise up. This is a divisional game. I think this Rams offense and Jared Goff looks a lot better too. I don't think he turns the ball over nearly as much. I think he has a bounce back game as well. Historically, the Rams actually play good in Seattle. Even that Legion of Boom team always had fits with that front with the Rams there for sure. And now we go to the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. The Jets at the Eagles, <clears throat> the Jets off a of bye week. They really want to get the running game going with Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery 
as their key additions in the offseason. And Donald, they got two weeks to prepare for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I thought the Eagles, that might have been a season-changing win for the Eagles. I think they bounce back and they get to get ahead of these Jets, not late or early and often. Give me the Eagles at home. Give me the Eagles at home as well. I think they have a bounce back game. I think they realize their sense of urgency. You know, yes, they 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 capitalize on a great opportunity being Green Bay. I don't think they I I don't think they want to squander it and, and by by losing to a, a team like the New York Jets. Give me the Eagles at home. I think they they respond well. One rookie quarterback has to lose in this matchup. Garden Minshew's two and zero, but also Kyle Allen is two and zero for the Panthers. It's in the Bank of America Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Christian McCaffrey's been running the football very, very, very well. He really has. I want to take Jacksonville here, but I'm not certain about the status of Jalen Ramsey. The Panthers, they play, play really good, especially on defense. They're at home. I'm going to take the Panthers in an ugly game, maybe by Philbert. I think it's going to be an ugly game as well. It's going to be very low scoring. This Panthers defense is very good, Sebi, especially this front seven. The Panthers' defense is uh, underrated. You know, you got guys like Luke Keekley, but you got guys also like Jermaine Carter, who have been, who stepped up and played big at the linebacker position for the Panthers. So it's going to be a defensive battle. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I, I, I know I, I'm going to grow with the Panthers at home, just because they're at home. I like I like what Allen's doing, and I think Minshew. I think Minshew is going to have a game, but I would give the slight edge to Allen at home. The Vikings don't want to repeat their performance on the road in Chicago. They go against Mike's team. The New York football giants at on the road. The, the giants are at home. Uh, we've, we've seen great play from Pat Shermer and also um, Daniel Jones. And so now you got Kirk Cousins coming in. But give me the Vikings here. I think they get back to that ground game with Dalvin Cook. Um, you're going to get more open opportunities for Thielen and Diggs. It's not that elite defense that the Bears got that they're going up against. Right. I'm going to take the Vikings here on the road. I'm taking the Vikings on the road as well. I don't think this is gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be a, that close. I I think that the um, the Vikings defense is the best defense Daniel Jones has gone up against uh, so far, and I think they'll give him fits and you know confuse him and you know make him very uncomfortable back there. And I and also like you said, I like this Vikings offense to respond well after that beatdown they just suffered from the Chicago Bears. I, give me the Vikings on the road. Yeah, you know Mike Zimmer is defensive coordinator, former in his days. He's got something up his sleeve for. <laughs> Daniel Jones, uh, there for sure. You got the Falcons and the Texans, two teams that I can't really understand yet. The Texans, they can't block for Mr. Deshaun Watson, and Atlanta has underperformed at one in three, and they were my NFC South champions. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is really bad, Mike. I'm not sure who to pick in this game. Whew. But. I'm going to go – I'm going to stick with Atlanta, man. I, they got to get this one or else I, I think they know the division is gone and perhaps the NFC is getting harder and harder every year. So they got to get this one on the road in Radiant Stadium, now RNG Stadium. Now, against the Texans, it's going to be tough because the Texans aren't the team that loses back-to-back uh, games. But Matt Ryan, that running game, and Julio Jones, they got to get going. I'm going to take the Falcons again. I'm going to take the Falcons as well. And I picked the Falcons the last two weeks. And I've been disappointed both times with what I've seen on the field from them. And I, I, I'm going to pick the Falcons as well in this game because I don't trust Deshaun Watson to put up enough points to be able to stay with them for four quarters. 
I think uh, I think Matt Ryan in this offense. I don't think they look great, but I think they look good enough to win this game. I'm going to go with the Falcons. Yeah, you got to protect them too. Deion Jones is coming, yeah. and, and and company. So got to block for him as well. Got the Buccaneers. Wow, Desha- uh, you've got Mr. Jameis Winston. He's thrown for 380, Mike, for back to back weeks. Not under yeah. the radar. You know, uh, you've got Mr. Jameis Winston, former number one overall pick, throwing. For 380 in back-to-back weeks, what a performance they got last week. Nobody's seen that coming. 55 on the Rams. And um, guys like Mike Evans is really good. And when he gets double-teamed, you got a guy like Chris Godwin who gets opportunities at 6'4 <laughs> to go up against the Saints. Mike, I, I, the one thing you can't trust Jameis Winston is to give you performances like this every weekend and week out. But you know what? I like the Buccaneers here as an underdog. I like the way they've been playing on offense. My, uh, you see Mike Evans. He's been a mismatch for everybody. Um, I like how Marshawn Lattimore matched up against Amari Cooper. But this guy that is, you know, Mike Evans is 6'6". And so good luck with that. Uh, Chris Godwin can get loose. I'm going to take the Buccaneers here on the road for a, a, a win. Wow. I'm going to take the Bucks on the road as well. I, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think Teddy Bridgewater will have his best game statistically as a uh, starter for the Saints in these past couple of weeks because this Bucks defense isn't that solid, and he'll get more open and more reason, more plays down the field. But I'm going to give the right nod to the Bucks because the way they're rolling right now on offense, I think they'll score enough points in order to uh, win this game. The Bills and the Titans. Wow. You want to talk about defense. You're a defensive fan. This is the game for you. And Nissan Field in Tennessee – The Bills are riding high. I think they found their identity. I think they want to run the football. They even want to to make Josh Allen run the football. And they want to punch you in the mouth on defense. I like them on the road against the Titans. The Titans had a great win last week uh, in in, uh, Atlanta there to put them back in the race in the division. This is tough, but I'm going to take the Bills to improve in 4-1. I'm going to take the Titans at home in this game. I think the Titans rise up and finally show why they should be competing for this division. I think they understand and recognize the opportunity that, that they have in this division. And uh, I'm going to give you a funny a, a funny fact for you, uh, Sebi. Marcus Mariota is the only quarterback right now without a turnover for the entire wow. season. And he's he's special. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he hasn't been, like, special to the point where he's winning games for them. But he's not turning the ball over. And he's really game man. He's really game manager right now, and letting this run game and the defense really take it take its course. So I'm going to go with the Titans at home to edge the Bills out. Wow, wow, wow! Definitely there. That is a key stat right there because coming into his career out of Oregon, Marcus Mariota has always been accurate and always been a great quarterback from a touchdown to an interception ratio standpoint. So he continues that, and you're going with the Titans there. So we split on that one. Now we go to the Cardinals and the Bengals. Wow. I don't know who to pick on this, Mike. You've got the Cardinals and you've got the Bengals. I, I, I can't pick a tie, uh, but whew, I'm going to – this is tough. I'm going to take the Bengals at home. They're in the jungle in uh, Cincinnati and Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they are relatively – a good regular season team they only scored three points i think they'll be motivated to score more than three points um at home in front of their fans uh i'm gonna take the Bengals, but in a close one i'll take the uh, oh this is tough you're right you can't pick a tie i'll take the cardinals <laughs> on the road 
I think the Cardinals, I, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are such a weird, strange team to me. And it seems like they play much better on the road than they do at home. And I, I just don't see I don't see it. It's, it's so tough for me to figure out how they're going to win games. But I'm going to give the slight knowledge to Kyler Murray and this team because I think they're due for a breakout game. And I think this defense is due to make some big-time plays. Mike, if you haven't met Tom Brady in your entire career, this might be the week to go catch him. He's coming and land over Maryland where your Redskins host Tom Brady and the Patriots, the top-ranked defense in the NFL through four weeks. They haven't looked good. But what better team to get prepared and get that offense and that engine going than the Redskins? I like the Patriots, and I like the Patriots pretty big. I like the Patriots big as well. It's not going to be a ball game. It's going to it's going to resemble much like what the Patriots did to the Dolphins on the road. Uh, the Redskins, they, they have a chance to, you know, compete and I guess make it close for maybe a quarter or two. But outside of that, I don't really see much going down right for them. Give me the Patriots and the Rockets. One of the best rivalries in the past 20 years renews in Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. You've got Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens offense that looks explosive in that first two weeks kind of died down to earth now. And so they go to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. That's always a rivalry, Harbaugh and Tomlin. That should be a good one. Um, this is tough because the defense of the Ravens have given up 35-plus against the last two weeks to Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Unfortunately, the quarterback they play this week aren't elite passers or throwers like that. Give me Baltimore on the road. They've had success in reset memory in Heinz Field. I'm going to take the Ravens in a, to win by field goal. I think the defense gets back to their identity. Um, yeah, give me the pay, give me the Ravens by field goal. I'm going with the Ravens as well. I think the Ravens will find a way to win this game. Give me the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Wow. The Bears taking that Dronte defense, taking their talents out to the Bay Area where they are going to take the Raiders. The Raiders got an impressive, impressive and sneaky win last week. That was actually really huge uh, there for them, uh, for the uh, uh, Raiders there under John Gruden. Actually, uh, Derek Carr played really well in that game as well. But give me the Bears. This Bears defense is just light years against any offensive line right now. Khalil Mack going back to the Raiders. I know he'll be motivated for why they traded him. Give me the Bears. I've got the Bears. I've got the Bears in this game. I like their defense against anybody, and I also like what Chase Daniel did last week and not turning the, not turning the ball over and not, and not putting the defense in bad situations. He continues to do that. This Bears team will be successful. Give me the Bears. Definitely there, the Bears. <laughs> that defense can stymie me any offense at this point. The Broncos and the Chargers and old AFC Division rivalry renews. You got the Broncos, who are now 0-8 dating to last year, going against the Chargers. The Chargers got a big win, and they seem to get Melvin Gordon back this week. i like him to get some home cooking. Give me the Chargers at home. I, I like I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers at home as well. Getting Melvin Gordon back was huge. I think he's a big, big boost for this team. I think he was more important for this team than he was getting credit for. So you can give me the charges at home as well. I expect Melvin Gordon to have a big day. Definitely there. America's game of the week resides in Dallas, where you've got the Green Bay Packers at three and one against now the Cowboys, who are at three and one. This has NFC conference implications because I do think these two teams could meet again in early to late January. It's in Jerry World, it's in Big D. Aaron Rodgers 
is coming to town. I want to take the Packers here, Mike, and I thought about this. I want to take the Packers here because I know that they have something to play for and they want to make amends for what happened last week in Lambeau. And Aaron Rodgers always plays good in Dallas because this is the reunite of Randall Cobb playing against his former team. And then I saw a couple weeks ago where Dalvin Cook ran wild against the Packers. And last week, Jordan Howard, couldn't they couldn't stop the run against them. You going up against Ezekiel Elliott in his building? Oh, no. I'm going to take the Cowboys in a shootout. In a shootout, give me the Cowboys. You, so you know what's heavy? Give me the Cowboys as well. I agree with wow. I agree with everything you just said. I'm going with the Cowboys because that, like I said, Dak Prescott doesn't look good when he when 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 the run when 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 the Cowboys can't run. But the Cowboys will be able to run in this game because the Packers can't stop the run and save their save their lives. I mean, it, it's, it's teams have ran roughshod against them all season long, and I think Ezekiel Elliott will have a field day, which in, in form will make Dak have a field day. I like the Cowboys to nod to get the nod over the uh, Packers in this game. All right. Nobody likes the spotlight more than Patrick Mahomes, where he's going to have all of the bright lights, the neon lights, the fluorescent lights, even the Sunday night lights. Sunday night football in Kansas City, the Chiefs' high-powered offense. And and for all the talk I was talking about early on this year, I've seen, I, I've seen Detroit play well, Mike. I've seen Detroit. Maybe that's fuel that they're fueling, uh, they're using that fuel against me, but I, I've seen a different uh, Detroit team. I don't want to make a big thing out of it, but they really played inspired football last week at home against the, the Chiefs. You called a close one. That was a good call. There, so now the, the Chiefs get past that. That was probably their toughest test, and they're hosting T.Y. Hilton and Jacoby Brissett and the Colts. Now, if Andrew Luck was here, this would be a fantastic game. He's not you need a game changer, not a game manager, to go in Kansas City and win. Give me the Chiefs, and I think they'll win pretty big. Give me the Chiefs at home as well. I think I think they'll win pretty big as well. But actually, I actually think it's gonna be they'll win big, but it, it it won't be like throughout the entire game. I think that they'll come, they'll find a way to win this game in the fourth quarter and stretch the lead out. But I think for the most part, this is actually gonna be a very competitive game because that's just how that's just how good this Colts team is, and they they really play good together with each other. So. I, I like the Chiefs to win in this game to pull away in the fourth quarter, but it, sh- it should be pretty competitive leading up to that. Pretty competitive there. And Monday night football, we will be in the Bay Area as well, where the 49ers having two weeks to prepare. They were off last week. The only undefeated team in the NFC. They host the Browns on the road. Keyword, Mike, the Browns on the road. Could we see signs of what they did last week? Baker Mayfield and company heading out there. So, but I'm giving give me the 49ers here. They got two weeks to prepare. Uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and this offense is look really, really good. They're the only team, Mike, to convert every third down, right? So they're the highest third down converting percentage in the NFL on offense. They got two weeks to prepare. I like that defensive line to go against a woeful offensive line of the Browns. Solomon Thomas to get a sack. Nick Bosa to get a sack. DeForest Buckner. I think they can get after it. And I love the signing of Quan Alexander. Give me the 49ers at home. Give me the 49ers at home as well. Sebi, this defense is very good. This 49ers defense is elite. They they play sideline to sideline, and they have athletes at every position. And I, I enjoy watching them play, and I think they can they can get after the Browns a little bit, especially at that defensive line. 
Uh, I'm, I and Jimmy G, of course, you know what I think of him. G- give me the 49ers at home. Wow, wow. So the Browns will fall to two and three, and all of a sudden now slip outside of the AFC North. And that were our week five predictions there with myself and Mike as we end today on our segment today. Any last words, Mike? No, nah, definitely. I just I just can't wait to see some of these games. I'm especially looking forward to that Packers-Cowboys game because I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to turn out. Definitely there. The Packers and the Cowboys highlighted by all of the games there for sure. And as we close here on a very warm evening, 84 degrees here in Central Florida, we want to say so long inside the studios of WNSC. Streaming in all social media platforms, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Until next time. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast Experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.